This podcast is brought to you by Esri and produced in collaboration with GovExec Studio 2G. Today's data-informed agencies are tasked with making quick and accurate decisions, and they're turning to GIS to gather insights and get answers. Explore the many ways Esri's GIS and mapping solutions can help your agency embrace a data-filled future at go.esri.com forward slash podcast 3 In the world of AI, there's no quick fix for mitigating bias. Quite the opposite. To truly achieve insightful outcomes, today's government IT leaders must continuously check and monitor their data. Never has that been more important than it is today, at a time when the supply chain is especially vulnerable to attack. And with so many players in the government IT space, securing the supply chain will require all hands on deck. I'm Tara Lerman, Deputy Editor of Branded Content at GovExec. And in this third and final episode of Machine Morality, We'll discuss how government agencies and their industry partners can more effectively protect their critical infrastructure. And who better to speak on this timely issue than the people working behind the scenes to improve these systems and processes. At a recent webcast, Protecting Critical Infrastructure, Improving the Sharing of Threat Data, Defense One Technology Editor Patrick Tucker sat down with these subject matter experts to understand what it will take for agencies to mitigate the threats of the future. Here's their conversation. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Patrick Tucker, Technology Editor at Defense One, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to today's program, Protecting Critical Infrastructure, Improving the Sharing of Threat Data, presented by INSA, Defense One, and underwritten by Esri. Without further ado, let's meet today's speakers. We have Sherry Caddy, Senior Advisor for Cybersecurity at the Office of Cybersecurity, Energy, and Emergency Response at the Department of Energy. We have Scott Algier, Executive Director of IT ISAC. We have Lauren Linsky, Deputy National Counterintelligence Coordinator for Critical Infrastructure at NCSC. And we had David Ring, Cyber Division Section Chief at the FBI. Thank you all for being here, really happy to have you. Let's start with sort of broad question. What are some of the challenges to impending, timely, accurate and actionable information sharing between the public and the private sector? So what are the big challenges right now? We'll kick that out to anybody that wants to take that. I'm happy to go first. I think I'll say you've worked it for a number of different departments and agencies around the federal government in the information sharing space, both for cybersecurity, counterterrorism. So I think the biggest challenge is, in my view, is a lack of a lot of specific use cases. The conversation always seems to be the same amongst sharing entities. You know, what have you got? Well, what do you need? <laughs> and that goes on quite endlessly. And I think the answer for information sharing for threat data isn't more. It is more specificity, more actionable information that the sharing entities can both perform specific tasks with. Information sharing is not the end. It is a means to an end. And getting focus on that end and understanding and having a joint understanding of that end really helps get out of the endless loop of, well, give me everything you've got kind of conversation. So I think to me, that's been a continuing theme regardless of the kind of specific threat information that's being shared. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Lauren, you have a thought on this. 
So from the intelligence community perspective, the information sharing, as Sherry kind of mentioned, is focused on what we need. And from an intelligence perspective, understanding this complex and ever-evolving threat landscape is probably one of the most difficult challenges we're facing today. There are more threat actors employing more innovative combination of tools and threatening a broader range of targets than we've ever faced. So understanding that threat is problematic because we need analysts to start looking at critical infrastructure differently. It's not just cyber, but from the counterintelligence and security perspective where I come from, it's looking at the other supplemental sophisticated intelligence collection and operational methods by which a threat actor could be going after and reconnaissance prior to or after a cyber attack. So how do we start to bring that all together and understand what that critical infrastructure and threat data looks like? And then I'll just add, amplifying this problem on the threat side is sometimes our inability across the U.S. government to understand what critical infrastructure is defined as. So that brings me to you, David, because the FBI has this really important and critical role to play in all of this, investigating these incidents after they happen and moving to a space where hopefully some of them can be stopped before they occur, which is such a difficult area. So give us a sense of some of the new things that the FBI is doing to really rise to this challenge of infrastructure security and particularly understanding what might happen before it happens. Sure. That's a great question to kind of build off of what we've already talked about a little bit. It's becoming ever more critical from a prevention standpoint that we all be very closely involved in identifying information. When we identify that information, get it out to our partners so that we can share those important IOCs and TTPs, these different groups that are conducting these attacks so that we get it out to as many people as possible. And actually to be a little bit more frank about some of the feedback that I've personally gotten from some private sector partners is that it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about what we're sharing and making sure we're sharing the right stuff. Oftentimes, I think government, rather than simply asking our private sector partners what's most important to them to share and what they're looking for, we make assumptions as to what we assume those partners want to hear. And oftentimes it doesn't align. And so making sure we're sharing the right information at the right times is significant countering the threat from a prevention standpoint. Moving into kind of what the FBI is doing today that may be a little bit different from what the FBI has done historically, that bleeds into our new cyber strategy, which Director Ray announced publicly last fall. The goal there is to impose risk and consequences on our cyber adversaries. And how do we do that? A key function to that is one, building off of the FBI's unique authorities and world-class capabilities, but beyond that, into leveraging our partnerships so that when we're conducting these investigative efforts and proactive disruption efforts, that we're doing it in a coordinated joint way with the goal of, of imposing those maximum risk and consequences to the cyber adversaries, be it state actors or cyber criminals. Great. I think that's a really good segue to Lauren. So the intelligence community plays this really unique role in analyzing and discovering and reporting cyber threats to the homeland, hopefully before they occur in some of an anticipatory way. Can you discuss your role at NCSC and how that contributes to the IC's ability to detect threats to critical infrastructure beforehand? And then what do you do with that information to make sure that it hits private sector partners in a way that allows them to act beforehand and how do you integrate that information with the rest of the intelligence community and the rest of the government? 
Sure, great. Let me take the last part actually about how we work first across the intelligence community to integrate threat data. As I mentioned earlier, that is one of our biggest challenges. And then obviously amplifying that is the downflow of information outside to our partners that are charged with protecting critical infrastructure and then the private sector. So we have the entire information flow ecosystem that we are working hard to deconstruct to understand where big bottlenecks and challenges occur. So first, let me just take the information flow across the intelligence community. So at NCSC, we are part of the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and our role is integration. So at NCSC specifically, we seek to serve as the glue between these diverse entities looking at threat capabilities. So the collectors of the information, as well as the consumers, FBI and DHS and DOE in this case, and then our intelligence partners, CIA, NSA, NGA, DIA. We look very specifically at understanding the intentions of these actors and trying where we can to pair the vulnerabilities, which we do not collect on, to try to amplify and understand predictive analysis that helps us get better understanding of those plans and intentions of that threat actor. At NCSC, again, because of our strategic perch, we really focus on outreach, collection, and analytic guidance across the community, information needs, and new capability gaps and how to fill those gaps with capability. So one of the things that we've done last year, we heightened and prioritized protecting critical infrastructure in our national counterintelligence strategy signed out by the president in January of 2020, whereby codifying a call to action to put resources, both personnel and dollars against putting new fusion cells and analytic power behind this. So, and we're already seeing that take shape. Many of our agency partners are clearing out areas within their organizational charts to focus on protecting national critical infrastructure. And in many cases, bringing in multiple agency partners with unique authorities so that we can start to deal with some of this information sharing problems that we face. If you today were to give a grade first to the U.S. government and B to private industry that is involved in infrastructure, a grade for how prepared they are right now to share information and to be defended against these threats, what grade would you give government and what grade would you give industry? I'm going to not give a letter grade, but what I'll say is we are better than we've ever been and nowhere where we need to be on both sides, right, when it comes to government sharing and private sector sharing. There's continuous improvement. We've talked about a lot of topics that are getting to some of those fundamental pieces on how we improve that. But yeah, to summarize, whatever letter grade you want to give to it, it's hard to put it in such a direct way. But I would say better than we've ever been and nowhere where we need to be. The general sentiment feels very B-like. Better than we've ever been, not nearly where we need to be, feels like little room for improvement, but we just outlined all of these different initiatives, all of these different efforts that have taken place to really change where the government is on this. And so that makes me very optimistic. And thanks for talking with me about all of these things. And that concludes this portion of today's event, but be sure to stay tuned for the next session in our program presented shortly by our underwriter, Esri. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. That's a tough act to follow. It was a terrific panel and conversation on everything from the challenges to threat data sharing, the schema of threat data, the policies around it, to understanding the speed and complexity of the ever-evolving threat environment. Again, my name is James Hansen, Group Publisher of Federal and Technology Markets at GovExec, and I'm really excited to be joined by Tim Murphy, Director of Contextual Intelligence at Esri. I am thrilled, Tim, to have you with me today. 
Thank you so much for having me. Again, that was indeed a very tough act to follow. We'll do our best. So I spent a lot of the early part of my career helping the government to find ways to collect data, typically from areas of the world that we cared about that were kind of denied areas or just tricky places to try to get information from. That also migrated into helping to find ways to bring in open source and OSINT and PAI style data. What I started really enjoying was, okay, now that the government has access to all of this information, we can bring this in. How do we make sense of it? How do we make sure that we understand what's happening and being able to connect these dots together? And that's what brought me over to Esri. At Esri, they already have, and we already have all of the best spatial analysis on the planet. What I was fortunate enough to be able to come over to help with was trying to find ways to connect that spatial analysis with all of the other styles of non-spatial or connected data networks and including unstructured and try to bring all that together to help our users just have better understanding of the data that they're looking at. And so how do we look at a security posture differently than how the opposition looks at vulnerabilities? We heard quite a bit on the previous panel about the adversary. How do we look at the security posture against them? That's a good question. Let's start at the micro and scale up from there. Your ODNI panelist, Lauren, just said it perfectly, especially for critical infrastructure, we need to identify the other means and methods that surround cyber attacks. It's the only way that we're going to get predictive about any of this, and the only way we'll detect the even more sophisticated blended attacks that we'll certainly be facing more of in the future. Some of the work that I've done in my career included red teaming, uh, brainstorming what an opponent would do, whether that opponent is a state-sponsored hacker, an ideological terrorist, or some lone wolf whack job within the U.S. The opposition breaks down a target into a series of components and how they link together, and they're looking for that weak link. Unfortunately, that weak link right now for us is cyber. But the answer can't just be, let's buy all the firewall technology, because once you secure that cyber frontier, the opposition just moves on to the next weakest link. And that could be writing bigger checks to recruit spies. Instead of hacking over the internet, they're trying to get an elevated position on your facility and attacking with directional antennas against Wi-Fi and other RF signals. We need a more holistic security posture. We need to stop thinking about security as a series of silos and the other people's departments, right? Like cybersecurity, physical security, employee security, training, backhaul communication, supply chain validation, and OSINT, that open source intelligence for knowing what information is out on the internet and is available about your people, about your facility. These are all typically different silos in an organization. And if you ever want to detect that blended attack where two or more vectors are used at the same time, such as a vehicle driving around your perimeter and at the same time there's strange behavior on your Wi-Fi. You only catch that if you're looking at defending your facility in the same way that your opposition is looking at attacking your facility. So don't look at security the same way you look at your company's org chart and instead focus on bringing that threat data together. On the macro side, kind of scaling it up from the government, that's a lot harder job. We're fortunate to not live in a Chinese totalitarian state and for government executives like the IC, DOE, and FBI panels that you had to be so uncompromising when it comes to never being like what they're trying to defend us against. I've worked with some of the government leaders in critical infrastructure protection, and they are working to prevent the next 9-11 scale attacks. 
And the brutal irony is that they could do their job better if they were willing to bend the rules and be a little bit more like China, to turn that unblinking eye of the intelligence community against the American industry. But they won't break that trust with the American people. They just never will. And for that, they have my undying respect, and I hope they have everyone else's too. Again, that was Esri's Tim Murphy. Thanks to Tim and the rest of the panelists for weighing in. And thanks to our listeners of this third and final episode of Machine Morality. If you like this episode, you can find more at govexec.com forward slash podcasts. Thank you for listening to Machine Morality. Machine Morality is produced by GovExec Studio 2G in collaboration with Esri. GIS is revolutionizing how government agencies operate. From public safety to national security, today's agencies are looking to dynamic mapping to help them visualize data and glean real-time insights. Esri's GIS and mapping solutions are here to help. Find out how at go.esri.com forward slash insapodcast3.